In this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, I have a special, 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 special guest. It is Coach David Thorpe, and we are going to talk about player development and why it is so important, especially at this time of year. Stay tuned. Big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. I am your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies. It is Monday. It is NBA Draft Week. This is a very important time of the year for me. It's a busy time. And, and my guest is always busy. He's, he's always <laughs> coaching and working with players and coaches. So I wanted to have him want to talk about player development, a little bit of what he's doing now. Thank you, Coach Thorpe, for, for coming on. How, how's everything going your way? I mean, you said it right. It's a busy time for us. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know when there isn't much, other than maybe September is a good month for me, where all, all the players I help are in their camps. Um, there's no games to watch. There's no college to watch. I get to just be, you know, watch you catch up on shows, read a lot. But yeah, this is a busy time, but I have no complaints. I'm glad I'm glad to be busy. I know you are too. Yeah, I'm super busy. But I feel like labeling you Coach Thorpe just, I mean, it's a simplified title. I mean, you do so many things, but you are one of the, I guess, one of the godfathers of player development. Can you talk about how you got involved with developing players? Sure. Uh, well, the truth is, it's more of... Uh, one of the first people who, who did it for a business. People have been doing player development forever. Pete Newell's real famous for that. Um, every college coach would claim, every high school coach would claim they were great at it. I don't think many NBA coaches ever th much thought about it. Um, I just turned it into a business in the early 90s. Uh, 93, I opened up my first training academy where I probably started with, I think, one high school player. And we kind of grew to 75 kids that it came from really all over Florida. That, some kids drove two and a half hours to come train with us because nobody was doing it. Now everyone's doing it. If I was smart, I would have franchised it. I wasn't very smart. I'm still not very smart when it comes to stuff like that. But um, yeah, so I just, I recognized there was a need uh, to help players. I, I, as I told a young NBA guy today, uh, who's really improved dramatically in a year, I told him, well, everyone gets better. The, the, our focus is to get better faster. You, you, I mean, think about it. There's almost nothing if you, if you've never played badminton before, or if you had played it on and off for five years, but then you started drilling every day in badminton, you would get better at badminton. Yeah. All these players probably get better playing so much, but it might be too late if by the time you figure it out, they've already drafted two dudes that play your position or acquired them in trades or free agency or someone else on your team. Like, let's say you're a lottery pick, I'm figured out yet, and some second round pick had like hello Draymond Green or and there's a lot of examples of that or Nikola Jokic as a second round pick your window's gone Kevin Knox will probably never be able to catch up he was a can't miss talent who more or less has missed and there's a there's you know scores and scores and uh, of those kinds of stories so my job has always been even going back to the 90s when I first started doing this in the early 90s we want to get better faster uh, and start learning how to impact wins winning possessions helps you win games. And so I never saw myself as a skill development guy. I was a game development guy. I, I had been a high school coach. I coached a million games in AAU, which was different back then. 
rec leagues, fall leagues, spring leagues, uh, summer camps. I mean, I did 10 weeks of summer in camp. Every I said goodbye to my girlfriend, who's now my wife of almost 33 years, and just coached and coached and coached. And uh, I realized I have to help these players win games, not just score more. And so that's really what I've always kind of focused on, how to, how to find ways to win games. Can you give an example? Because that's so interesting. I mean, even nowadays, there's player development guys everywhere. I mean, they, they have PD guys on staffs. And it's all about individual numbers. But you're the first that I've heard really emphasize on helping players win games. In your opinion, what is the difference between the two? Well, it somewhat depends on who you are and the position you play and what your talents are. Uh, if you're really good at scoring, it'd be silly not to think about scoring and try to be more efficient. Almost no one's efficient when they're young at scoring. That might be productive, but not very efficient. Uh, but most of the players that we get aren't very good at scoring. It's hard to score, especially at the world's best league. So as two examples I'll give you, I don't, you, if you know me and I know Rafael, you do, I'm delighted to say that we're friends and have been for a while now. We have a lot of mutual friends and you and I have developed a nice friendship. I trust you very much and very much value your insight into the, the, the business that you're in. Um, but I do have some young players that I help. I've got, in fact, I have two players on, on their national under-19 teams that are playing in Hungary. Uh, one's more of a three, one's more of a four. Uh, very different talent levels. One's a possible top five pick. The other, I think, a likely NBA first-rounder, but he's got to get better. They're both high school kids right now who made their teams. And uh, a lot of time, i actually been on the court with one. I've talked to both on the phone a bunch. We talk a lot about setting better screens, holding their screens longer, getting a wider base, never setting an illegal screen. Uh, sometimes we, we try to race roll after we screen. Uh, uh, we want to be elusive getting into the screen. We want to move with urgency getting out of the screen, depending on where we're going. Unless the better read is to hold the screen longer. If you've got a dynamic scoring guard, let him get downhill, let him draw like a magnet, draw attention from the defenders, and then kind of tiptoe down the lane. Just watch Nikola Jokic. Uh, I, I often, when I, when I do my podcast, and my, my true partners know, I like to put music to Jokic's video clips when I send them. And it goes like, do, 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 like the ice cream truck. He just kind of meanders down the lane and goes, knows exactly where he wants to go. If he needs to go fast, he will. Uh, but mostly he doesn't. And, and uh, there's something to learn from that. So that's a big focus point for us. Uh, I'm a big believer, for example, that to be a better shooter, uh, almost at any level of your game, except for the very rare veteran who's been around for a decade or so. It's, it, shooting is such a confidence and rhythm thing. Mm -hmm. So the more success you have making basketball plays to help your team win games, getting a help block, getting a charge, getting three Gretzkys in a row for an open three, setting great screens to open up a teammate, maybe you even score once, you're making impactful plays, diving on the floor, um, you're going to feel better about yourself and that's going to translate into shooting better. And, you know, I, I, I do still help players. I don't really do summer uh, uh, pre-draft training like I used to do for a long time. I do kind of coach the coaches that do it. And I do stay in touch with some guys, as you know, I'm always real honest about my assessments of how they're doing and what's going on. Uh, I'm a big believer in t helping them understand 
The more you impact winning, the better you feel about your game. The confidence will come from that, and you'll tend to shoot better. And so when players of mine tell me after a pre-draft workout for a team that they did extremely well from shooting, I, I tend to remind them, well, when you're rebounding with urgency, you're screening with purpose, you're being elusive getting in the screens, or if you're a guard, you're, you're using and reading the screens correctly, uh, getting teammates involved, whatever, it tends to lead to a better feeling about yourself, and that normally leads to better shot making. So it's all, ultimately, these teams are trying to win games. So if you can help your team win, you're, you bring value, and that, that makes you feel good. All right, we'll have more from David Thorpe when we return, but I want to talk to you about Ibotta. Groceries, school shopping, and getting a little something for yourself? You're already doing it, so why not get cash back with it? With Ibotta. Watching your closet grow after purchasing all of this season's latest trends? How about also watching your cash back grow with each purchase with Ibotta? We're always throwing money at something. Kids' school supplies, a new house project, the list goes on. It's time to stop spending your hard-earned money without getting anything in return. Enter Ibotta. The average Ibotta user earns $120 a year in real cash back. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip. Or you could use your cash back to buy that flight that you've been eyeing, that game that you've been dying to go to, or that fancy dinner that you've been craving. A typical basket of groceries was over, was over $50 more expensive at the end of 2022 than the beginning of the year due to inflation. And you could earn two and a half times that in cash back from Ibotta or even more spending on how much you use Ibotta. Ibotta gives you real cash back, not points. Other apps, they give you points that do not amount to much. But with Ibotta, you get real cash back that you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. Again, you can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers, too. When you start with Ibotta, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. And right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta. Using the code L-O-C-K-E-D, when you register, just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use the code L-O-C-K-E-D. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use the code LOCKED. Locked On's NBA Mock Draft Special is here and it's bigger than ever. Follow along the entire first round in a six-episode ultimate mock draft experience that only Locked On can deliver. I was the, I guess I was the, the expert, as, as they say, and I critiqued and, and graded all the picks. And all the episodes are available now on Locked On NBA Big Board on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcasts. There's so many questions that, that I want to ask you. But first, I want to talk about the pre-draft process. And I know it looks a little different for you now than it did maybe mm -hmm. 20 years ago. Walk me through the pre-draft process. If I'm an agent and I have this guy that I think is a second round pick, but I want to get him to the first round. What's the first process? And I send him to you. What's the first thing that you do? Yeah, great question. Well, I, I have lots of experience with guys. I've been doing this since the year 2000. I think my first two players got drafted in 23 years ago. Um, and so they are retired. I can talk about some guys that I've had that are retired now. I just want to talk about the guys that are still playing. Mm -hmm. Courtney Lee is a great story. You, may, you probably remember Courtney Lee. Yeah. I, I actually had Courtney when he was still in college because I trained one of his teammates in the draft the previous year, one of his high school teammates. 
So Courtney played at Western Kentucky. We were in touch all season. But when he came to me uh, for a, just about a month, he was considered a late second-round pick, but probably going to be picked in the second round. But you know how that is. It's a slippery slope after about 35. Yep. We gave it a 50-50 chance unless things changed. So I kind of have three rules, and I'm happy to share this. I, I don't think most pre-draft guys feel this way. Maybe they'll change their minds. Uh, but this is what I always stress to the, the, the coaches that I mentor now. With Courtney, there were three things we focused on. Nothing's changed. I don't change a thing even now. And then an overall theme. And the three things are fitness. You have to be in amazing shape. Amazing shape. Uh, these workouts are grueling. And, and if you're not seen as a likely top 10, 15 guy, you're doing a bunch of workouts. In Courtney's case, I, I want to say, it was a long time ago, Raphael, but I think he did 15 workouts. And uh, that's grueling. And in fact, he's the only player I've ever had, although I'm helping a guy right now that has a chance to meet that, that never had a bad workout. Courtney killed everything. He was in amazing shape. And, and that's hard work on our part. I had a big staff with me. We, we worked on my, we had a bunch of guys in that draft. Um, you had to be in amazing shape. Second thing, and this is also something we really stress when you're a rookie. You've got to be able to guard people at the point of attack. You have to have an understanding of what your strengths are, what his weaknesses are, what his strengths are. You have to have a plan to do it. And, uh, and you have to show that you can execute it. No one's really evaluating you off the ball. Uh, certainly in these workouts where back then with Courtney, you couldn't have more than four guys in a quarter time. Now you can have some three on three. Some teams cheat, as you may know, and they'll play some four on four or five on five. They're not supposed to do that, but they do. Yep. Uh, uh, so we, we got to show a disposition to defend. We got to talk about stance and sliding and, and angles and cutting off angles, contesting, how to contest without fouling, how not to foul, period. And then the third thing is for most players, not centers, uh, you've got to be able to handle the ball. You've got to be able to, if you can't beat someone off the dribble, that's fine. Just be able to get from point A to point B. You'll struggle in one-on-one, -on -one, but you'll be better in anything beyond that if you can dribble at some. But the most important thing after fitness is a warrior mentality. It is a war. It is amazingly physical. Your heart's going a million miles an hour, especially early on when you haven't done a lot of them. Uh, in Courtney's case, are you a, are you a Michigan guy? No, I'm from Nebraska. I, <laughs> you're in the, okay so you and i have a mutual friend who is a michigan guy yep um yep. he knows this player very well chris douglas roberts was oh, we considered... that was my first that was my first client as a trainer i, I, I did not know that i lived with cdr for a couple years and and when he played for legends i lived with him in charlotte when he played for at the time the bobcats and and with the uh with the clippers so i know chris very well well, you are welcome to verify this. I have verified it with teams. Chris was seen, he was first team All-American. Courtney was nothing, maybe honorable mention. And they were in the same draft. And so I did not make a poster of CDR and put it on the wall in Courtney's room. But I would have, if I had the ability to, he was our target. We, we threw him in Courtney's face all the time. We, we just talked about crushing his skull all the time. It was a battle. It, I, I say CDR ain't thinking about you for one second. You're a nobody in the 50s from West Kentucky. He's an All-American from Memphis, high-level player. We're going to destroy him every single workout. We didn't see him, but five or six, well, he didn't see him, but five or six times. But uh, I literally used to say to him, Raphael, I want him to quit. I want him to quit the workout because you crushed him so badly. I really try to motivate Courtney, and he, I'll never forget it. He called me right a couple of days before the draft, 
at one of their workouts and it says, coach, he quit. I said, what happened? He's like, well, he claims he was hurt. Who knows what the truth is? But I was just crushing him again and again and again, and he couldn't go anymore. Now, who knows? He could have been away till four in the morning on a late flight. You know, stuff like that happens for these workouts. But we got our mission accomplished. And as you probably know, Courtney went drafted, was drafted 22 to um, Orlando and had a hell of a career. So um, that's, that's one of many stories I would have where I, I want my guys to know it's a job interview, but unlike most job interviews, this is a physical interview. And so there's a zero-sum game. If I crush you, you, you can't be crushing me. I win that battle. I can't control the other workouts, of which there are many. It's very easy for these players, by the way, and agents also to get really myopic and think, ooh, we're, they're going to draft us. We were the best player today. Well, who cares? They've had 20 of those workouts. But all we can do is win that one, and we want to leave a mark. I always tell players, I don't want these teams to see you. I want them to feel you. I want them to feel what you can bring. And that requires an urgency, an intensity, a loudness. We always – one of the greatest things I've heard is when uh, uh, at the Combine, and what a young man that I was helping, they interviewed his coach. This was this year. Uh, uh, the, one of the ESPN guys said, who's – Who's been talking the most? And the first name he mentioned was the, the one guy that I'm really helping. That's a big focal point for us. Be loud. That's how you're felt. Uh, you got to be heard. You got to be felt. So these are things we focus on all the time. Then we can get into the actual game itself, which is finishing at the rim, using fakes, not fouling guys. Uh, uh, how to wear your strengths at. I told a player, and you know this player, um, you think you're Tracy McGrady, you're not. Maybe one day you will be, but that day won't be today or tomorrow. And that's when you're doing the workouts, right? So uh, value screening better, cut more, find ways to show tip dunk opportunities uh, that you can get. Uh, get, a, get a couple goaltends, show them you can jump over the rim to 12 and a half feet. I don't care if it's a made basket. You're trying to show off your athleticism. Uh, uh, you're trying to show off your motor. Be an amazing teammate. Uh, uh, those kind of things. Uh, I, I had a player trying out recently for his national team under 19. I told him same thing. I tell all these guys, I want you to lead the practice in daps, daps, given little bumps yeah. like that stuff to me. I'm a coach to me. That matters. And, uh, uh when they don't do it, I notice that too. So, um, uh, that's, that's kind of where we, we stress, uh, in addition to, learning how to play the game. None of these guys know how to play. Literally, we would walk them around the three-point line, Rafael, to get comfortable at all the spots. You know how rookies step on the line all the time? Well, they yeah. do it even more so in pre-draft workouts. So get them comfortable in the corner with those with that three-point shot. Get your steps down. Uh, uh, and then, of course, the, the, the most important thing probably, besides what I've said, is get them seeing everything. Every team does stuff different. The heat will wear you out before yeah. you do your first drill with competition where you out run around bring the ball up dunk it whatever so we have to do all of it every possible way to shoot a three every possible drill they might see i it's just like a, being a parent of which you i know you are now you want our kids to experience almost everything they might experience in the real world at home first under our guidance so that we can teach them how they messed up and how to fix it right there's certain things we can't do most of the stuff we can do yeah. And um, it's the same thing with a coach, in my opinion, for the draft process and beyond. Yeah, I recently heard about a workout where it was someone that you're working with went against someone that was totally not prepared. And your guy absolutely destroyed 
this player. And, and we hadn't talked about this before we got on, but the stuff that you're mentioning now is what I heard from the team about the player that you're working with as far as just the, the energy and how he was in so much better physical condition than, than the player that he went up against. And this was a one-on-one workout, which I'm amazed at how many guys are not prepared for this pre-draft process. Tell me about like some stories that, that you have. I guess you don't have to mention names about guys that were just so unprepared and how much money it cost them. Well, I'll tell you one, just because I'm helping. I rarely would talk about a player, but I love this player so much because he teamed with my son. Uh, I, I absolutely am convinced in my, in my heart and in my mind that Raekwon Gray from Florida State is a starter in the NBA. He's, he's a better offensive P.J. Tucker, better offensive player than P.J. at this age, especially. 6'8", 260, moves like a cat, unbelievably quick hands. He played point guard at Florida State. He's the reason why Pat Williams came off the bench and Scotty Barnes came off the bench. They couldn't take Raekwon out of the lineup. He's an incredible defensive player, can play multiple positions. Uh, he got, he, I don't know what he did. I had, because my son plays at Florida State with him, I don't, I don't talk to those guys when they're there. My son just needs to be left alone from his dad. Mm -hmm. um, I saw him in the combine. He was so heavy. And I, since that time, very recently, he reached out to me and I was thrilled because I've never spoken to him one time, never exchanged a message with him. And he asked for help. He's a two-way player for the Nets. Uh, they have, they're very high on him. And uh, he's in amazing shape now. I, he was already starting that long before he, he knew he, he knew he messed up. Uh, I'll tell you another story of a guy that I had named Earl Clark. Earl Clark, super talented player from Louisville. I want to say from New York, yeah. uh, maybe Jersey, one or the other. Um, delightful young man. Uh, I had talked to him on the phone before he came, and he said he was working out Louisville every day. And nothing against these college coaches. They don't know what they're doing when it comes to pre-draft training. They shouldn't. They're busy doing their own job. Yep. It's like asking a lawyer to do your accounting. Like, <laughs> no, it's very different worlds between Earl Clark was a heck of a college player. And Rick Pitino knew, knows what he's doing as a college coach. But they don't really understand what these draft workouts are. So I had told Earl, I can't have you show up here and then need to get in shape. We'll get you in top shape. This is back when I was doing all the work uh, with, with my staff. You've got uh, uh, the beginning part so that you don't get here and lose a week because you're so sore. So uh, sure enough, Earl gets to us on day two. He, he's literally racing off the court to puke uh, uh, and then coming back to finish the drills, which I adored about Earl Clark. But I mean, I had, I had Larry Bird in the gym. I had a bunch of guys in the gym one time and I had told the agents, some of these guys aren't ready but there was nothing we could do. If they insisted on coming, they some of these scouts, you, you won't be surprised, especially executives, they want to see the players succeed through adversity. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I said, all right, Earl's going to have, have some adversity here. And so Larry Bird literally said to me that he noticed, this is after the workout, that Earl would race outside, lose his lunch or breakfast at that point, come back in. We'd already be on another drill. He'd finished his reps of what we were doing, and then he'd call me or an assistant over to, to catch him up on what the next drill was. And, and, he, and Larry loved that. He ended up getting drafted, uh, I think, 14 to Phoenix. And, uh, but he, he, I thought he required a lot of maintenance, and I loved him. But teams aren't great at maintaining most, most guys like that. 
more from David in a minute, but I want to talk to you about Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. And if you're wondering how does it work, all you have to do is pick two to six players, and if they will go score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, and you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. There's no competing against other people. It is just you versus the projections available. Prize Picks offers projections on any sport that you may watch. NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, NHL, PGA, men's football, college basketball, and more. And prize picks. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is that easy. It is safe. You can get your money out fast. And it is currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. So download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. If you deposit $100, Prize Picks to give you $100. If you deposit $50, Prize Picks to give you $50. Do not forget to enter. Do not forget to enter the promo code Locked On at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Uh, you remember a guy named Mike James? Which one? From Duquesne? Good question. Mike James from Lamar. Oh, yeah, yeah. Euro so, League legend. I could not get a single team to bring him in for a workout. His agent, who I don't remember who it was anymore. Maybe I do, actually. Uh, uh, good, we could Neil Rosenshine. We couldn't get anyone to bring him in. And I'm looking at an NBA player. Without a doubt in my mind, he was a six-man scorer. He was a little bit wild. Yeah. I, I like that about him. But it was easy for me. I wasn't really coaching him. I was teaching him. Big difference. Yep. And, uh, but I used to call teams. He, he the only one that I would call teams uh, and couldn't get anyone to really say, yes, we think you can do it. Yeah, he was a great Europe. But I saw in my gym such a talented player. Great shooter, super quick. And uh, we just couldn't get teams to buy it. And he had, a, he had a cup of coffee in the NBA, but he's done really well in Europe. He's definitely an NBA player. I just think he just prefers Europe at this point. He he had a bad experience with Phoenix, but now we know a lot about Phoenix. Yeah. A whole lot of people have had a bad experience in Phoenix over the years. And even that situation in Phoenix, and I had talked to him about it. He actually came on my podcast a couple of years ago. One of the things I mentioned to him that said, nobody probably notices, but I know that you, you spent 10 months in, in Europe. He was playing for Panathinaikos at the time. Yep. They went all the way to the, the Greek finals. He probably had three or four days off. And then he went straight to summer league and played. And then that's how he ended up making the team. And, and then I think he went to New Orleans after that. And, yeah. and then he just won the, the, the French league title yesterday. Mike James is a really good player. And one of the Oh, things was he on Monaco? Yes. Yes, he's on Monaco. Yep. Oh, that's funny. I, I'm helping. I'm just volunteering to help a friend who's who had a player on a, on a different team who lost uh, earlier in the, in the uh, tournament. And um, he's going to have like a week. And then he's got to report to camp, not the summer league. We'll go to camp first. You know, NBA guys, I tell them, take 14 days. And most of these NBA guys have been off since April. Yeah. Right? Only the playoff guys have been still playing. April 9 was the last day of the regular season. They've had a lot of time. They have no excuses. Yeah. And anyone in summer league from America, from the NBA playing in year two, uh, G League or whatever, they should be in phenomenal shape. If they're not, that's on them and, and they're whoever they're working with. Mike mentioned to me that he thought it was harder to play in Europe 
than it is in the NBA. And his his quote was along the lines of, in the NBA, if you're playing with stars, you can just stand in a corner. You don't have to really work on your game like that. But he says in Europe, you have to think every position, put the ball on the floor, make reads. Do, do you find that that true? Well, when he was in the NBA, it was more true. The game is getting more tactical. Mm -hmm. So the European game has to be tactical. The court's shorter, tighter, right? Three-point yeah. lines, more condensed. Uh, and they don't have the, the world's best athletes and all that size. Um, and so they have to rely on tactics to get better shots. Well, we, we can just give the ball to Tyrese Halliburton and James Harden and Luka and whatever and, and normally get a good look. Not always, but often. Uh, but our game's getting more tactical, Raphael. And so going back to the pre-draft stuff, that is something when I've mentored, you know, a couple of three trainers this offseason for the pre-draft. And, and now I'm actually helping. There's Players will come home from Europe, train with their college team for a bit, uh, and go to their summer league invite when they, when they, when they're next week. A lot of guys are going to summer league for practice. Um, we, you can't just get them in shape and work on finishing, whatever. We got to start adding tactics to what we're doing because the game's getting more tactical. Uh, uh, college guys play the game. Pros read the game. High school guys play the game. Pros read the game. We didn't read it as much then as we do now. Uh, uh, more and more screens on and off the ball. M more and more options defensively, for sure. You guard many different guys differently and, and will change during the game. So we need quicker processing. So now when we teach, we've got to, what I like to do is, is narrate the scene and then play. So I'll give them exactly what's happening, have them see it. It helps that they've played before. They have reference points, especially guys who just finished off the rookie season. Here's our reference points. Let's play. What's your, and I'll ask them, what were you thinking there? What were your, what were your thought process here? Uh, I'll give you a quick story of, as, as an example of what I mean about thinking. It's not quite what Mike was saying, but uh, years and years ago, I had uh, one of my first guys, Kevin Martin, in my gym. I had a lot of uh, 15 guys in the gym, a lot of coaches in there. And of the 15 players on the court, I had two courts. Uh, they were next to each other, and I was in the middle. Uh, maybe, maybe 14 of them were non-scorers or young players. And then there was Kevin. And I would tell them exactly what I want all the way to the rim. And everyone else would do exactly what I described, and Kevin would do something different. He would maybe do what I asked the first time. They would do three, four out of the five other things, whatever. And I'll never forget a high school coach who I'm friendly with still came over to me and says, coach, I know you think all these guys love and respect you. And I know you've said, I've heard you on shows talk about Kevin Martin's like your son, but why is he doing something differently than everyone else is doing? And it, do you find that disrespectful? And I said, no, the other guys are just stupid. They're young players. Kevin's playing the game. That dude's averaging 25 a game for the Kings. He's imagining how the Rockets guard him and how the Warriors guard him, what the Lakers are doing. And so he's taking the basic construct or the outline of what we're working on. And then he's filtering in Rick Adelman's offense. Or back then he was probably playing for Musselman or Reggie Theus or one of the 10 guys he played for, Paul Westfall in Sacramento. And he's figuring out in that situation, that's the goal. These other guys are just too inexperienced. So they just take everything I give them as gospel when Kevin is applying it to real world uh, situations, which is what we are trying to get to do with everyone. But it, it takes some of these young guys time. Yep. And you mentioned, uh, I don't know if we mentioned in, in the show, but you're mentoring other trainers now that and, and mentoring players that are preparing for the draft. 
Yeah. What does that look like for you? Like, give me an example of of how you're mentoring a player from afar. Like, I know there's someone that you're working with that's, I don't even know if you've had a chance to see them this summer. Oh, yeah. You yeah. speak on the phone a lot. So what, what is that like for you? Yeah. So for the coaches, uh, I, the, the coach will tell me who he's training, when they're coming. I'll watch film, study metrics. I don't really care much, to be honest with you, what you guys write. Mm-hmm. That doesn't matter. Uh, we, we have to get this guy better, right? Mm-hmm. We'll later on look at what you guys are doing. But our job is to make him better. He's, we're trying to have him do well in workouts. If they're not invited to the combine, that helps them get invited to the combine because teams will call and say, hey, we really like this guy, whatever. Um, and so we have to identify weaknesses. We have to identify strengths. And then we have to build a plan. The plan includes get him in amazing shape. That's number one. Got to be in amazing shape, right? And then, okay, he's not defensive rebounding. So we got to make sure we add a lot of defensive rebounding drills into, I don't tell them drill the drill. Um, I, I will script out a sample maybe of what a workout should look like. Uh, in most cases, these guys aren't getting the intensity that I think they need. And so uh, I sometimes, either they'll send me a video or in some cases I'll fly out and watch the workouts. I did it last year. I did it this year one time. Last year I made a couple of trips, see what they're doing. Let's get more intensity, more urgency. Uh, snap from drill to drill to drill fast. That helps them with their fitness. Uh, oh, he's got no left hand. He doesn't come to two foot stops. He never fakes. He fouls too much on defense, whatever it is we see. And then we have to build all that out. And I'll tell the coach that. And then we script out the plan. So three, four weeks before the combine or before they work out for a team, uh, we work with sports scientists. I consult with them all the time. Really smart guys. How do we build out a plan to get him in the best shape possible? So early in the week, we'll go a little less athleticism, energy, and more craft and skill. We build up towards the end of the week. The weekend, they recover. Maybe Sunday night, they shoot. Back on Monday, restart it again. Uh, and then with the players, yeah, the one person I'm talking to now, he, he'll call me before every workout, the night before, and then he'll text me after the workout's over. Here's how it went. Here's my honest assessment of what I did well what I didn't do so well, what I need to get better at. And then he'll call me when he gets to the hotel because here comes the next workout. And I'm just trying to get in their brains. What, you know, what, what, like, for example, you work out for Miami, be ready to work your ass off before you start. Um, I'm trying to inspire these guys to bring their fight all the time. Some teams value screening more than others. Some teams are really big on um, how loud you are. Some teams are big on just the shooting. You know, you and I have talked about this off air. Uh, the Pacers have that ring the bell drill. That's a big deal to them. When you can make 20, 25 threes uh, in, I don't even know what the drill looks like. I just know if you can make 20, 25, you got to ring the bell and it's not so easy to do. And, uh, and so if you can do it, that matters. So don't kill yourself before you get a chance to do that drill because it'll leave an impact if you do it well. Um, just, just these guys can get, you know this well. We have a mutual friend that says all the time, man, these guys are just hooping. Yeah. And, they, and you hear players say this, I just want to hoop. Well, that's not the business that we're in. This is a thinking man's game. You think Chris Paul is hooping? No. You think Nikola Jokic is hooping? No. Jamal Murray? No. They are brilliant. They're physicists with basketballs at seven feet tall and six foot six and whatever with seven foot wingspans. They are processing world-class speeds. And so whether it's the pre-draft process or beyond, we've got to learn to think the game. We have to learn. Uh, you, you know the saying, Raphael? Uh, they always say on offense, take what the defense gives you. Yep. It's just stupid. <laughs> Unless you're a Jokic, because he can do anything. 
Yeah. Uh, if the defense is giving you something, it's, there's a reason for it. And so if you just keep doing what you're not good at, well, they win. So I have to find ways to still get what I want, no matter what you do defensively. And if you have to send more resources to keep me from doing that, well, then I need to pass the ball. And someone else will be wide open, which is kind of the name of the game on offense is to draw two and play four and three everywhere else. So getting them to understand that all the time is, is a big, you know, it's just something we have to say a lot to them when they're young. All right, last question. And this is, I'm, I'm going to read a tweet and it kind of did oh some numbers a few weeks ago. And it was, it was about Jokic. And you had said um, every NBA franchise should be considering every possible option to better evaluate and project players so that never again would an all-time talent like Jokic fall to the second round of the NBA draft. It simply cannot happen. Can you elaborate what you meant by, by that tweet? Yeah, I, I didn't realize that first you were going to read one of my tweets. I don't tweet very much. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> I remember just going crazy on my timeline that, that entire day. And, you know, you only get a certain amount of characters on, <laughs> on Twitter. But I just wanted to hear you elaborate on that as far as yeah, like... Well, do you, do you not... Yeah, I also want to hear your thoughts on it. But I'll, I'll go first and I want to hear your thoughts. He's, he's an all-timer. Yep. This is one of the greatest players we've ever seen. Imagine LeBron going... 41st or Luca commercial during a Taco Bell commercial. Right. Is that, is that what it was? Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was just on the ticker at the bottom. It was a Taco Bell commercial plan. It was like at 41. They were nuggets. Unbelievable. I, it, it's an enormous swing and a miss. Enormous. It's, you know, it's like not recognize, recognizing Madonna had talent as a singer. It's like, you cannot make this mistake yeah. when you could have had this talent. And so, so reverse engineer it. What, what kept you from, he wasn't heavy at that age. He got heavier in the NBA. Well, maybe I'm wrong. I big. know I saw him in the hoop summit. He was thin. Yeah. So maybe got a little heavier. Who cares? You, you can get guys to lose weight. It did kick at Kevin Love. In fact, as you know, in 2019, I wrote, I wrote, huh? And Udonis has one too. Right. Who was my first NBA player really? Uh, I did not help Udonis lose weight. He lost it on his own. And then he came to me. But I wrote about Jokic in 2019 that if he just lose, I guess, 40 pounds, he'd be an MVP candidate. One of the he was already first team NBA heavy. Yeah. So we we've got to we've got to as a team, we have to make sure we never make that mistake again. Where this a guy that I understand why Giannis dropped to 15. I'm not saying he should have. Clearly, he shouldn't have. But you just didn't trust at all his background. Jokic was not in the same boat. Yeah, I, I think it was a mistake for Giannis. That he's such a, a alien physically. But how do you know he's going to really work hard? You don't really know that. I don't yeah. think we had an excuse with Jokic. So these teams have got to do a better job. I mean, look, look what we're dealing with right now. We have number one and number two in the same draft, who we both, you and I, I'm sure both thought all NBA, MVP level talents in John Zion. Look what they're going through. That also can't happen. Uh, and not to say you can prevent it. And, and, and I want to make sure you say last question. Let me make sure we leave with this. The mistake in the draft is not the player typically. It's the franchise he goes to. They are the ones who make or break the draft selection. Okay? So here's the very simple analogy I'll give you. I, I wrote about this a couple of years ago with Kevin Knox and then R.J. Barrett going to New York. So imagine you and I are in a kayak and we are the, we are clones. We're twins. Okay. And we are exactly the same level of kayaker speed wise. 
and I'm in a river that's running juxtaposition to your river. And your river is flowing five miles per hour faster than mine. For whatever reason, you're going to win every race. We're the same rower. You're going to win every race, literally every single one, because your river's flowing faster. So those franchises have got to get their baggage out of the way. They've got to get their player development right. They've got to get their culture right. Nikola Jokic on half the league's teams probably is maybe a starter. Maybe. And I'm probably being generous. And he's one of the world's best players, one of the best players we've ever seen. Top 20, top 30. Take your, take your number. He's still going. He's in his 20s. Like, yeah, he gets yeah. two, three, four. He's one of the best ever, right? Yep. Okay. I'm telling you, he goes to a bunch of these teams, and he's, there's, there's no era of Jokic. Nothing. That's how bad these, some of these franchises are. Denver deserves great credit under two different regimes for making what's happened happen with what they've done. The better franchises tend to win. The bad franchises tend to lose for a long time until they get the right people running it or the right owner. Uh, that's really what you have to understand with this draft is all the work you're putting in, which I respect and admire, and you know I do, none of it matters for most of these guys. There are a few that it does. Victor, I think, could play anywhere. But not everyone can. Most players can't. They need to be with somebody else. And then you'd see them shine. Well, thank you so much. And I, I agree. I just think teams may have passed on Jokic because he doesn't pass the eye test. Yeah, big mistake. Yep. Well, that wraps it up. This was a great conversation. We could have went for two hours. Thank you, Coach Thorpe, for taking time out of your busy schedule to chat with me. Once again, it's Rafael Barlow with Coach David Thorpe, and we are out.